I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. back to Keanu Believe It, the only podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Heron, assistant editor over at Talk Film Society, and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I will be your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Each week, a guest and I will discuss a film from his filmography, which we will be working through in chronological order. On this episode, we will be discussing 1988's Permanent Record. The film was directed by Marissa Silver, uh, and before we get too far into things, I want to bring in my guest, uh, MJ Smith. How's it going, MJ? Good. How are you, Sam? Thanks for having me. Doing good. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, so I like to ask uh, my guests uh, when they've been on for the fir- when it's the first time uh, how they feel about Keanu Reeves, uh, you know, just in general. Uh, so are you a fan of uh, Keanu, MJ? I freaking love Keanu. Uh, he's great. Um, I think he he got a bad rap for a long time, and now we're in the middle of a kind of everyone appreciating the earnestness that he brings to his roles, and I, I'm so glad like people came around on that, because I think he had sort of a bad reputation for a long time of, uh, you know, just kind of being a surfer dude who didn't really have a range or anything like that, but... I think he does, and that's something I think we'll talk about with this movie. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, it's I feel like people just get hung up on uh, the certain that you know they expect a certain thing when they think of a good actor, right? Like they, uh, there, some people have a very uh, narrow term of what that means, and but Keanu brings a lot of soul and uh, passion to everything he does, even when. A movie's not, you know, fully clicking with the material, but, uh, but this one, I was surprised how good he is in this, and not because I don't think he's a bad actor, but mainly because I, uh, you know, part of me thought that some of his earlier movies, I was also surprised by River's Edge, but he's does really good work uh, for his first movies, which is makes me wonder why the this idea that he's a bad actor came from, you know? Well, and he's also, he's had, what, four decades of hits? Like, Bill and Ted, Speed, The Matrix, and now John Wick. Like, he's he's certified. Like, he's he's paid his dues and he's established himself. Right. Uh, So, uh, what's, uh, I might as well ask, uh, what's your favorite uh, Keanu movie or performance? Either one. Um... I really, really like John Wick. I think that's my favorite. That's the one I keep revisiting. I've seen that movie so many times, and it hasn't been out that long. I've seen it probably close to ten times now. Right. Yeah, and it it is, people have said this, but uh, we're not the first to say this, but uh, it's kind of the, 
it feels like his career has been leading to that moment, right? Like it's yeah. all of his, uh, you know, everything he's done to this point leading to that and kind of has uh, little, uh, ver- you know, things from his other performances in there that all kind of coalesce into the character of John Wick and, uh, you know, very much John Wick's a very, you know, man of few words. And I feel like that's what Keanu is best at is those moments where he's just, uh, just emoting and not really necessarily saying anything. Yeah, he's he, he's really good at what I call face acting. Like he's good at reacting to stuff with his eyes and mm-hmm. the way he moves his face. But it's never overwrought. It's very organic, right? And the way he the way he reacts to stuff feels very natural. It's very he's a very naturalistic performer for sure. Uh, okay, so yeah, coming to uh, permanent record. This was his. Uh, fourth movie, uh, fourth theatrical movie. Again, we're not going into... He did some TV movies. Uh, we're not going to talk about those right now. Uh, we might talk about those in the bonus episode, so you'll have to stay tuned. Um, but yeah, this is his fourth uh, theatrical feature. Uh, and I really enjoyed this movie. This was my first time... Uh, had you seen this before? I hadn't even heard of it uh, when you had asked me to be on this episode. Yeah, I uh, hadn't heard about it either before preparing for this, uh, but uh, I was surprised how uh, effective this movie was. Uh, again, never heard of it, uh, hadn't even heard you know it in in passing. Um, but so, what did you think about uh, Pern Record as a whole? On the whole, um, I think you know. I think first off, we're talking about this movie, unfortunately well-timed mm-hmm. um just it, it, the film does deal with suicide um and and you know the just this week we had two kind of celebrity deaths by suicide very close to each other kate spade and, and anthony bourdain um so it was actually um so one that's something i want to be sensitive about sure uh, but I, I thought the movie was just kind of okay mm-hmm. um but I thought that the subject matter was really interesting and it was a really, it was a really cool angle to approach it from. I don't know if cool is the right word, but you don't really see a movie really, I haven't really seen a movie really approach this subject the way this did. Right. And I liked that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. It's not, it's not a great film by any means, but, uh, but the way it handles uh, suicide is very, I was surprised how, uh, when I read the plot synopsis, I figured 80s teen movie, maybe it's not going to handle it that well. But right. it's actually got a quite enlightened uh, attitude towards it. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, again, uh, we're recording this episode just days after hearing about uh, Anthony Bourdain. So a lot of uh, the Internet's been buzzing about, you know, people talking about their experiences with it and their opinions on it. And... Uh, this handles it really kind of uh, more delicately and uh, empathetically than I thought it might. Yeah, it's a, it's a really sensitive movie. Right. Uh, so, yeah, for people who don't know, uh, the movie is about uh, this group of uh, teenagers uh, in an Oregon town, California, just on the, East Co- on the West Coast. Uh, and basically... Their friend, that this guy that everyone loves, uh, you know, he's the uh, popular kid, uh, the 
one who they think is going to go the furthest. Uh, you know, all the teachers like him. Uh, his parents are, you know, he's got a nice uh, young brother. Uh, he's funny, popular, and uh, he takes his own life. And it's basically how his circle of friends uh, deal with that. Um, yeah, so Keanu uh, plays his, basically his, his best friend. Uh, so Keanu plays a character named Chris uh, and his best friend David. And these opening scenes are, there's, it's really a sad movie. And especially in the beginning, uh, you can kind of just see uh, this young actor, um, Alan Boyce. I hadn't heard of him before uh, this movie. Yeah, not much on his IMDb. Yeah, and he was, and the his performance here is, re- especially in the, he's, He's really basically in the first third of the movie, and uh, if you didn't know the uh, plot of this movie, it would just be, seem like uh, what this kid's just going about his life. And that, but then if you, but I feel like I, because I knew what it was about before watching, mm-hmm. uh, it was just really kind of dread. There's a lot of dread in that uh, opening because he's like uh, these scenes that you, if you didn't know it was about suicide, you would just think they were just normal kind of slice of life scenes or something but uh yeah so what did you think about that open with how they did that so i actually didn't know it was about suicide okay and i actually wrote in my notes in that first maybe 15 10 15 minutes when they're you know hanging out and keanu's driving like a madman and they go to the studio before they go to school Mm -hmm. it seemed kind of disjointed not knowing what it was about sure so it was like what okay what i even put in my notes what kind of movie is this question sure uh quickly found out (laughs) um but uh so in that opening scene, there's a lot of kind of getting your bearings yep. um, or in, the, in those opening scenes. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it was like, OK, who are these people? Um, what is their life like? They're they're teenagers in this, you know, like you said, West Coast town and they're in a band. Mm-hmm. And Keanu's kind of a loser, but it seems like this David kid, you know, has his ducks in a row. And um, OK, so was it kind of this like bill and ted thing minus the sci-fi sure. and one of them's not a slacker um that's kind of the what i thought was going to happen and then once david commits suicide which is, is i really liked the way they handled that in the sense that it's clear to the audience but the characters don't necessarily find out right away right uh, um yeah for sure oh uh, yeah the, so like the opening shot is this shot of uh just these kids hanging out uh, on this cliffside, which, which we're supposed to assume that this is like their hangout, right? Like, uh, and uh, the way it's shot is really interesting. She basically just uh, Marissa Silver, the director. She basically uh, it's basically one tracking shot, just kind of slow, showing these groups of kids. Uh, and then later in the movie, that's that is the cliff where uh, David jumps from. And so, yeah, the way they filmed that was pretty, I was impressed by that. Yeah, I, um, that also in my notes, I wrote a uh, uh, great opening tracking shot, but I, I was really kind of unclear about what it meant. Right. And so I even put a parenthetical of maybe he serves no purpose. And then we see it kind of repeated two more times mm-hmm. throughout the course of the movie. We see it once when David is on the walk to kill himself and then we see it once again at the end. 
Um, and so I liked that the, the, the motif of that cliff coming back in, in single shot. Right. Uh, uh, takes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so there, like those mentioned, the scenes you mentioned earlier where it's basically just these kind of disconnected scenes of, uh, David, like show that he's a musician, show that he's really close with, uh, Chris. Um, they even, there's a part where they, again, like you said, that, uh, kind of maybe felt like a Bill and Ted where they, are breaking into a record studio. Uh, and uh, there's a cameo of Lou Reed, which I was surprised by uh, playing himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and uh, Joe Strummer did the music for the movie, yep. too, from The Clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty, it's a pretty uh, who's who of uh, 80s, you know, of classic uh, musicians. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, well, and it also lent to my confusion about what kind of movie it was. I sure. think because when I when I saw the, the 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 credit come up, music by Joe Strummer, I was like, oh, all right, so this is like this is a music movie, mm-hmm. and it really isn't. No, uh, I mean it. There there are it's built around uh, musicians, but it's not necessarily right. a music film. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, this collection of scenes. Uh, Again, like, yeah, I feel like if you didn't know it was about suicide, then these scenes might feel disconnected. But, uh, you know, so it's kind of interesting. But I, I feel like if you but once you do know what it's about, like once the end of the first act, uh, then it kind of starts clicking. Um, and it's a very uh, again, like we said, it's a very emotional movie. It wears its heart on its sleeve. Uh, but so where Keanu uh, so basically, uh, Keanu follows his uh, David going on this walk by himself uh, after a, you know during a party, uh, and there's this, so the the way this the way they handle this is Chris is like trying to surprise David right like he's hiding behind rocks mm-hmm. uh, and he's gonna scare him or something, uh, and then so he goes behind a rock and he's about to jump out and we see David kind of uh, looking confused by the cliff, uh, and then. Chris jumps out and then he's gone. And so uh, they do this thing of where they make, maybe think it's an accident, right? Like uh, maybe he yeah. fell. Um, so yeah, that scene was pretty uh, impressively shot. Yeah. I liked the way it, like I said, the way it handled it was really nice. I, and especially one of my favorite things is the audience knowing something that the characters in the movie don't, mm-hmm. um, even though this is, you know, obviously a dark version of that. Right. I liked kind of, the going on the full walk with David and seeing him talk to, um, is her name Lauren? Yep. Lauren. Yep. Yeah. Him talking to Lauren and, and I liked the way Andrew Boyce played that. Um, he really looked like someone who was kind of anxious at a party and maybe it was like too loud, but really there was something else going on. Um, and you know, once again, like I said, it's a sensitive movie. And so, you know, she even tried to make a connection with him. Obviously, she didn't really sense that that he was depressed to the point of suicide, but she tried to reach out and be like, hey, do you want me to come with you on this walk? And he, you know, still kind of retreated. Um, and so we had all this information that Andrew Boyce gave us just kind of with his body language. Right. Um, and then seeing Keanu come in as Chris and being goofy like you said there's a great sense of dread there where it's like oh man like this guy just wants to you know hang out with his friend and like you know just it's it's a party that he's throwing and so it's supposed to be a good time and now 
it, there's this obviously really tragic event that happens and Keanu's fantastic in that scene the way he oh, yeah. from going into like being goofy making faces behind the rock cracking the beer screaming at David and then seeing oh he's not there and then running to the cliffside and yelling he's it's so good yeah that scene is it's heartbreaking uh Keanu is just uh you know screaming in uh pain and you know shock and so that's, I feel like it comes back to you know when people talk about him being not a good actor, it's like they just assume because he's going a little, you know, you you could maybe you'd say over the top, but it's not over the top. It just it's very naturalistic. It's very how someone would react to this, uh, you know, to this kind of this horrible situation. Yeah, and I mean, I think it builds on. I know you've already done the episode on River's Edge, but he has that that. Um, is it in the police station? It's been a long time since I've seen yep. that. Where he kind of he has a meltdown in the police station too. It was really reminiscent of that to me, for sure. Uh, and you can just see how you know even uh, he's really good in River's Edge, also. But even in this, it's like uh, maybe the material is not quite the writing's not quite as strong uh, sure. here. But he still you can tell that the he's kind of getting a better grasp on things, and he clearly is getting better. You know, movie to movie. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think that, that, um, also part of it too is, is it's, it's able to combine his love of music. He's obviously, he's been in a band, Mm -hmm. um, for a long time. And I think it really allowed it, it, making the character a musician and having him portray it really allowed him to come into the character. Um, cause he had a hook from his real life that he could bring into this. Sure. Uh, yeah, so, uh, talking about the movie, you know, so, some of the performances are really good, like, uh, Keanu, uh, we talked about Boyce, um, and then, like, the girl who plays, uh, Lauren is played by the actress Jennifer Rubin, uh, mm-hmm. and I thought she was really good in this, um, David, Chris's girlfriend, MG, uh, Michelle Mayrink is the actress's name, she's not, uh, I mean, she's not bad, necessarily, uh, but it just kind of compared to the other three uh, young performances, it's a little uh, a little bit to, to be desired. But yeah, well, and and there's there's a couple characters that I think the film handles sort of oddly, like Kim, yeah, um, David's friend with benefits. She kind of she's almost one of the driving forces behind his anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Not that she's the cause of it, but just like the anxiety and depression he feels over his sort of quasi relationship with her. Um, and then we don't really see much of her after David dies. No. Uh, I mean, there's a couple like there's a, a similar to um, what's his name? Jim, I think. Uh, no, Jim's his Jake. dad. Jake. Yeah. Jake. Uh, Similar to him, where he's like, uh, they talk about maybe that he's friends with them, but they don't really, uh, and they make, it's, I feel like they're trying to make you think that these are the two people that he's, you know, maybe close to, but not as close, you know, you're, you're, I'm rambling here, but. Yeah, I, I understand. It's, it's a little unclear. They, yeah, well, and then they end up together at the end of the movie. Right. Or like there's like the seed of that relationship being planted and it's like, okay, that's a weird choice. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, I mean, I get maybe what they were going for was to say like, because this movie is basically about um, 
not blaming someone for both, you know, multiple things with, you know, uh, trying to be empathetic for people that, uh, have to, that take their own lives. Um, but then at the same time dealing with like how people, uh, deal with that in the aftermath. And so I feel like they're trying to say, but it's like, it feels a little forced of saying, look, they're going to be fine because they're together now. And it's a little, it's a little odd. Um, like the reaction, the reactions of Chris and Lauren are much, uh, the way they deal with it is much more, uh, affecting than anything with the people that were, you know, like his, like you said, friend of benefits or, uh, maybe his, like, he just knows that taking this kind of awkward kid under his wing, I guess. Um, yeah, the the Jake character in particular, it seems like he was almost a, you know he's it seems like he's almost set up as a foil to Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's more in line with how David is as a person, and I think that's why David really tried to protege him and, sure. and make him you know say hey you should be conducting you know you have this musical gift that I really want to shepherd in you. Um, but the movie kind of doesn't really do much with that outside of like Jake gets a haircut. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, it, it's kind of the whole, uh, movie's based around two things. It's a, a musical performance that they're doing. And, uh, Chris and David are part of a band with maybe kit, like guys that are in their twenties instead, like they're not in high school. Like they're in a band with yeah. older guys, I guess. Uh, again, not very clear, but it's, but it's fine because we're not really supposed to. It's basically just supposed to be that he's. There's all these things that uh, Chris should be or David should be excited about, like or you know, quote excited about um, this musical that he helped uh, arrange the music for, and he got into a prestigious arts academy. And so that's kind of what the movie's about: is uh, that um, suicide affects everyone, right? Like it's not just a uh, for lonely uh, people, you know, or you know what I'm trying to say, but, uh, yeah. And, and I think it's also, I, once again, the, the sort of unfortunate timing of this is it really reflects sort of people's perception of Anthony Bourdain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, that was, that was the big news story over the weekend. And, and it was, uh, it was eerily similar, um, where it's, you know, Anthony Bourdain, really successful chef and food uh television personality that was beloved by a lot of people right um gave great interviews was a great interviewer really smart guy wrote several books about food and cooking and you know had a family and a child and and, yep and all that stuff yep and and go ahead and he still took his life, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that's kind of how David is, is, you know, he's well liked in the school, even, you know, even when we see him in, uh, succumb to the bad influence that is Chris sometimes where he breaks into the record studio and they they get back to the school and they meet their principal. The principal greets them like, hey, guys, like, come on. Mm-hmm. And when they leave, he kind of the principal kind of has a smirk on his face of like, ah, well, you know, David. Sure. Uh, yeah. And that's uh, basically what, you know, the. Uh, what the movie does well, I thought, was that uh, these people, like, around him, like, uh, David's parents and uh, the principal, like, they're dealing with this too, but then they're also seeing that uh, Chris needs help, right? Like, they they see that this kid is spiraling. Uh, we see a little bit, uh, we barely see his parents, we only really see his dad being kind of a apathetic, uh, kind of a jerk 
almost similar to his character in, uh, you know, his dad in Bill and Ted almost, you know, right. like, uh, doesn't like his music, doesn't care. He thinks he should go to military school or whatever. It's almost, it's kind of, there's some similarities there. Um, uh, but, but I, I like the way that they dealt with, um, like his parents, um, they never like blame him for anything. Uh, so I thought that was a, this is a movie that I think, uh, I'm surprised it doesn't have a bigger following to be honest because of, uh, you know, the sub- how the subject matter is handled, but yeah, I was wondering if there's some sort of rights thing. Cause it's really hard to find. I had to watch it on YouTube. Um, for, I paid for it. You can rent it on YouTube, uh, legally. Um, and, that's the only place I could find it streaming anywhere or even a physical, like I couldn't find a physical release of it. I couldn't find it. You know, it's not on Hulu or Netflix or even Amazon to rent. Uh, yeah. I, I rented it on iTunes, but yeah, those are the, it's like basically iTunes and YouTube are the uh, only places you can get it. But um, yeah. So uh, I, the scene there's um, the stu- basically Chris and the other students are planning a memorial service Uh and they get the permission from the principal, who really liked David, uh, to... I, I guess... is this a, It seems like this is a performing arts school. They never really explicitly state that, but it's kind of seems yeah, like it is. it does seem that way because there's a line about how the drama course is a credited course, and so right. you need to take it to be able to graduate, mm-hmm. and that's never been <laughs> the case. Right. Uh, so basically, uh, they get permission from the principal to have the uh, memorial service at the... Um, school, but this is before they find out that it was uh, suicide. Uh, and then there's this scene where um, the superintendent finds out about this and is like, uh, says that he like refuses them that they can't have the memorial service because he says uh, he doesn't want to make a hero out of the kid and condone his suicide. And that's like you know the some of this has happened. I'm surprised that this is still happening. Uh, again, with the unfortunate timing of people are still saying like. He's selfish, or he's that this is a bad thing, and this movie's not saying that at all. It's very much saying the opposite of that, uh, and that was really what I feel like what stuck with me from this movie. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, you know, it's it's it. This is a movie that could could have should have maybe veered into really bad after school special territory, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't. Even with the way the kids react to. The, the death of Chris, you know, we see them drinking more than they were earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's not this, um, it's not like a, a, a it, like bummer porn, right. you know, where it's like, look at these kids descent into depression after their kid, their friend dies and they, you know, they start doing all this, they start having all these addiction issues and they, you know, they're making bad decisions and, you know, just kind of hooking up willy nilly right. and now one of them's pregnant and this one's on heroin, you know, it's, that's the kind of movie I expected it to be after, uh, after David committed suicide, but it ends up kind of being this, like we've said several times, a sensitive, empathetic film about how you're never really the same when you lose a loved one, but life does go on. Like there's still things that have to be done and there are still things that you have to do. And, you should just kind of let that inform how you go about doing those things from here on out. Right. And it, yeah, like you said, it doesn't swing too far in either direction. Like it's not uh, a cold detached movie, but then it's also these kids are like having 
pretty authentic reactions, you know, like they're either um, angry at him or they're, you know, which is they're working through these feelings. And in the end they come down on, they just miss him. Like that's, that's all it is. You know, they, yeah. they wish they could have done more. They wish they had uh, reached out more. Um, and so, yeah, it ends up, it's a really, just a really empathetic movie. It really holds its, uh, wears its uh, heart on its sleeve, especially with the, uh, climax of the film uh, basically they get to the end uh, you know they're doing this big musical performance and uh, there's this really touching uh, moment where uh, Lauren is going to have this big they're doing HMS Pinafore and she's going to have this huge uh, solo and at the last minute she kind of puts her hands out like silences the uh, orchestra and she sings the song that uh, the last song that uh, David wrote and that's a really that got me. Uh, I wonder if it's, you know, like you're saying again, uh, the timing of it, but, uh, that scene hit me pretty hard. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really well done. Um, I wasn't sure about it leading up to it because the, so the song in question is the music was written by David, but the lyrics are written by Chris, which is Keanu's character. And, um, we see, sort of this parallel editing between the band in the studio recording this song and then the performance of the play at school. Um, and then we see it come together in a really, um, in a different fashion than we were expecting. I was actually expecting the band to set up and play the song, like that they were, they were going to go through the performance and then the, you know, it was going to be like, surprise, we like put this rock show on in the background without anyone noticing. Right. And it, that's not what happened at all. It was this really quiet performance of the song that we just saw being recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the song was uh, written by John Souther, uh, who had done songs with, had made so- written songs for the Eagles, uh, Linda Ronstadt. Uh, and so the song is pretty good. I mean, it's, but then it's one of those songs, it, sim- it reminded me a little bit of, like, uh, Sing Street, right? Like, in terms of mm. he made the song sound like something teenagers would write. You know what I mean? Like, the... Yeah, uh, Like, especially the lyrics are very, like... It makes it seem like a teenage ro- teenager wrote it. Uh, so it's, you know, it's very uh, almost corny, but it's purposefully that way. And it's... Uh, I thought it was a pretty good song overall. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all right. And I so one of the things that I really liked about it is when we see them recording the song, they're actually playing correctly. Yep. Uh, that was the first thing I noticed when we saw them recording the song. I was like, oh, they they went out of their way to make sure that they were at least faking playing the the notes. Like the drummer was, he got all the fills right, and he had the little hi hat accents. I play the drums, so mm-hmm. I noticed that stuff pretty pretty fast. <laughs> Um, and then like the, the bass player, they show him and he's hitting the notes that he's supposed to be hitting. I was, I was really impressed by that, that they, they, even though it's not quote unquote a musical, but it is a movie about musicians. They took the care of like, no, we want to, we want it to be as authentic as possible. Right. And, uh, uh, Joe Strummer, like you said, did the musical score and, and they actually, uh, Keanu was actually credited on the soundtrack, actually having played the guitar on, uh, some of the tracks. So that's pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so the that's the fun. basically uh, uh, some other. I was surprised. I saw the actor that plays uh, the principal 
Uh, no, not the principal. Uh, the music teacher. Uh, the drama teacher is the guy. He was been in mm-hmm. uh, some Coen Brothers movies. Uh, so that was an inter- uh, I can't remember it. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, but anyway, uh, you Bacon Matthews. Yes, I think so. Oh yeah, he's in uh, he's in True Grit. It looks like I haven't looked him up. I'm just down. Oh yeah, he's in yeah movie. in True Grit. He's the guy that uh, is selling like that. Maddie keeps trying to sell a horse oh, back to. Oh okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So yeah, character. Okay actor. yeah, he's in he's in all, he's in Bridge of Spies. Yeah, and he was in Rango too. I think he was one of the uh, many. Uh, creatures in that movie but uh yeah so there's actually some pretty recognizable uh adult actors but again it's not about them it's very much about uh the teenagers but they i think they handled all of it pretty well um yeah so not a perfect movie but i think uh handled the subject matter much better than i figured it would have uh so i i imagine this movie has a pretty uh i don't know if it does but i imagine it has a pretty good cult following just in terms of i'm sure it impacted some people um again you know handles a really delicate matter pretty well so yeah i think that um what was i going to say it's a very small movie um but that's not a bad thing especially when it comes to something like this because you know when someone when you lose someone it is really personal it's a really personal thing and everyone reacts to it differently yeah um, you know, whether it's to suicide or to a terminal illness or just old age, um, you know, it's still, it's, you know, death is the hardest on the living, right? Like, and seeing, watching a movie about grief from a teenage perspective that's not, you know, finger wagging or a cautionary tale, uh-huh. Uh, that's, you know, as old as I am, this came out the year I was born. That's doesn't happen. You know, usually we talk about these eighties movies in particular Mm -hmm. and how they don't handle that stuff very well. Even the John Hughes stuff, like, you know, breakfast club is great, but it, there's some stuff in there that has not aged well at all. No, it's very, I mean, yeah, I have as much as I like the John Hughes movies. I do have some John Hughes comes from a very like, it's a very privileged white, uh, and so is this movie, but at the same time, it's more, it treats these problems more than just prop. Like they're, it shows that these are systemic things. These aren't, it doesn't blame, it's not, uh, blaming of the, uh, of crit, you know, of David at all. It's very, uh, much saying that these are issues that everyone deals with. And it's, so yeah, uh, honestly, I surprised. I was, I was expecting it to be really awful, to be honest. Like I was, yeah. Or especially given what just happened the last couple, how the last week's gone, I was like uh, kind of dreading it, and it definitely hit me harder than it might have uh, given different circumstances. But uh, I'm, yeah, I'm glad it's not a horror show of '80s treating mental illness horribly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I agree. It almost feels like it could be, you know, if it was made now, it feels like it would be a Richard Linklater movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it feels, uh, uh, I was surprised how, it feels like a very modern, uh, in some ways, uh, indie film. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good, I hadn't made that connection, but yes. Uh, yeah, and so, uh, just wanted, I wanted just, uh, given, uh, when, on the River's Edge episode, we talked about how, uh, as good as that movie is, how the score completely undercuts some of the 
sequences. That's not the case at all here. I think Joe Strummer did a really good job. Uh, and it's never, it doesn't outstay its welcome. There's a lot of scenes where it's just people talking. Like it's not, uh, it doesn't lean too heavy on the uh, score at all, which is unexpected, but I wanted to point that out. Yeah, I was, I'm not a huge score guy. That's one of the last things I notice about a movie. I know some people are weird, uh, weirded out by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is one, you know, obviously there's a big music credit at the beginning of the movie. Like, Joe Strummer did this. And so I definitely kept an ear out of like, what the hell? You know, what is what is this going to sound mm-hmm. like? And then as the movie progressed and kind of unfolded in front of me and I learned what it was about, I was like, oh, he actually really like got in there and and did it you know i i figured he would do maybe it's just because i i have this certain image of joe strummer as a punk rocker (laughs) sure sure that he that it would be a punk rock soundtrack and it it definitely was not um you know it was he 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 read it he watched it he scored it the way it should have been scored i think yeah definitely agree Okay, yeah, that does it for uh, this episode of Can I Believe It? Thanks so much for being on the show, MJ. Thank you. Uh, I was it was really good. I know it seemed like a short conversation, but there's like I said, it's a really personal movie. So your 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 experience with it is only going to be your experience with it. For sure. Uh, yeah. So that does it for this episode. Uh, join me next time. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, also released in 1988. Uh, The Prince of Pennsylvania. Uh, Until then, keep being excellent to each other, and I'll see you next time.